When it, when it all boils down to it, we all hate the Pats and we hope they fail. And welcome to the Downerfront Podcast, the so official much. podcast of downerfrontpodcast.com. What we do here is that we review a bunch of movies, TVs, just about anything that we think is nerdy and a lot of fun uh, over a nice cold beverage or some wine or whatever you actually have. So I'm excited. Uh, my name is Warren. I'm with a bunch of my best friends and we're going to go on a round table, um, talk about what we've been drinking, what we've been watching and talk about our actual feature film upgrade starring knockoff Tom Hardy and a bunch of other cool um, performances in this or one. Is it Mike Blewett? Is it Mike Blewett? I don't think it's Mike Blewett at all. It does, it's, upgrade, it's upgrade Mike Blewett, knock off Tom Hardy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I think the dead uh, rabbit in my front yard is an upgrade Mike Blewett, personally. <laughs> That's what I've been watching. There's a, there's a dead rabbit. I just found it like 10 minutes ago. Call like animal I'm, control. We, we start here on the hide now. I'm going to toss it over to the mouth of the beautiful South. Mr. Brylan, what you been drinking? What you been watching? How's it going? I am doing well, even though I'm not the one physically in the South right now. Uh, I'm doing well. I just rushed my way home from work, and I'm just sipping on some water, staying hydrated after a long, sweaty day. Uh, and uh, what I've been watching recently is I started seasons two, season two of The Toys That Made Us. Watched the first two episodes. Uh, this uh, documentary series is still fantastic, uh, especially the episode on Transformers. There's some very, really cool ideas that they bring up and just they are able to lay out the history of a toy line that makes uh, that just makes you very nostalgic. But they also have a lot of fun with it, too. And there's a story that Peter Cullen, the voice of Optimus Prime, shares that will probably make the tears happen for you i got very emotional when i shared this story and it's kind of about the origin of optimus prime it's a wonderful tale i Does also watch in the voice of optimus prime he doesn't no he uses his real voice uh, okay. <laughs> but i mean it's amazing what that story is all about um i also finished arrested development season five um, I was very confused by what was don't, going on don't, this season. don't say anything i'm not going to spoil anything um, I would just say I'd probably be critical of it because it continues storylines instead of giving it a little bit of fresh coat of paint in the story. Uh, but I would have to say if anybody stands out in this series, it's uh, maybe, maybe Shunky. Look out for her. She's amazing in this. Hmm. Cool. Well, it's always great to see your face and great to have you on here. I'm excited to hear your opinions because it looks like we are all attacking you on our last recording of Solo. And rightfully so. I I'm going to toss it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's always great to see your face. Thank you. I'm going to toss it over to the guy who is actually in the South, the handsome Mocha Mike on this podcast. How's it going, man? Uh, what you been drinking and what you been watching? Hey, guys. Yes, I am actually the... Uh, physically located in the South Mouth for tonight. 
Um, I'm in Florida visiting my family, giving a good giving good hello to them since I haven't seen them in a little bit. Um, but while I'm down here, I'm sipping on something cool and refreshing to go with this tropical climate, and that would be a Bud Light Lime. Um, cool, refreshing, uh, and cheap, which is yeah. kind of my my three go tos <laughs> for life. <laughs> um, but uh, but but yeah, as far as what I've been watching, I've been really on a on a bit of a tear lately trying to watch all the movies that i didn't get a chance to when they released that are about to go out of theaters using movie pass and so i recently watched rampage which we did a recording of when it actually launched um and i was not a part of uh, but because i didn't want to want to watch it at the time i thought it would be bad it looked it looked just very generic um but this very podcast episode convinced me that maybe i was wrong there were so many glowing reviews of it so i went to check it out and you guys were absolutely right <laughs> It was pretty ah. dope. <laughs> it was pretty no. dope for a video game movie. Um, and it has completely converted me to the church of Dwayne Johnson. I will no longer just <laughs> downplay any movie he's in because it looks silly. Uh, with Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. And with Rampage, he surprised me both times with really solid, enjoyable films. So I am definitely going to go see Skyscraper when it comes out. That looks like the biggest, stupidest action movie that I'm sure will make a billion dollars and be amazing. It's yeah. plus-size yeah. Die Hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what it looks like. Mocha, if but, I may ask you a quick question about Rampage, uh, why do you think that dude is always eating in every scene? <laughs> Which dude? Uh, Malin Ackerman's brother. Oh. oh. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I'm not sure, actually. I don't think I picked up on that. He's eating a cheeseburger or some fries or some weird shit every single scene. <laughs> that Maybe was he's like, bulking up. <laughs> you have to eat like six meals a day when you're bulking. Probably. That's true. He's cultivating Five. mass. <laughs> <laughs> I had a Wait. really good time on that um, recording, so I'm glad that you uh, saw the movie and you actually enjoyed it. I know me and Brylan had a, uh, a blast recording and going on our theories for that. So definitely, if you haven't seen Rampage, it's a that's a fun sort of action-packed movie, especially in the last couple of weeks. There hasn't been too many movies out. I know literally like maybe two or three. So if you find yourself not entirely sure what to watch, definitely go back, check that movie out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Sweet. So thank you. Um, it's also great to see your face. Uh, I'm going to toss it over to my very best friend. We grew up together. Uh, we started playing music together until he kicked me out of his band, The Shredder. Mike, how's it going, man? He was too good. His face block uh, application... Kind of put me out of a job. Ew. Yeah, yeah. I was playing that. Anything. I was playing that analog wood block, and you know, <clears throat> it's a rest development for only Bryland. Apparently, <laughs> that's yeah. a I, reference. I don't like Sorry, lost I don't like on everyone else. References. Uh, Shredder, what you been watching and what you been drinking? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, we did the solo podcast uh, like six days ago, so I haven't got to see anything since. I took a nap to Drugs Inc. again, and that's about it. It's all been work. <laughs> Nothing else but work. Um, what I'm drinking, so I'm breaking my streak tonight. I couldn't find anything that necessarily, I had a whole bit uh, applied where I was going to drink some nice like snooty craft beer and then go upgrade and then crack open a Bud Light, but I thought that was kind of stupid. So I'm telling everyone as opposed to doing it. Um, what I'm actually drinking is Blood of the Unicorn to Hoppy Red Ale. And I literally only bought it because the... What's it called? The the can art looks amazing. Here, I'm just gonna O2. It looks what like uh it kind of looks like yeah. Borderlands 2 ish. Oh yeah. But Instead it's not a Motu. It's Botu. For those listening at home who can't see, it is a armor clad uh, war unicorn. 
Can you just make this the rest of the podcast, just describing the unicorn? <laughs> just make it an ASMR of a can description. <laughs> As beads of condensation <laughs> drip off the unicorn's brow. <laughs> and Mike's well, so- huge lips and gross... Uh, Blue, it's always good to see you. Always good to see you, Face Shredder. Uh, my name is Warren. Uh, I'm going to be hanging out with you. What I am currently drinking is, it's a staple. It's a summer staple, so I'm going to continue to keep drinking summer shandies up until I'm drinking a bunch of wine next week in Minnesota. Um, so that is my Narragansett summer shandy. Pretty excited about that. I have been watching a, a bunch of stuff. I watched Logan. Um, I've watched, you know, the Blade Runner 2049. Uh, in the last couple of days, I've actually seen, including uh, today, I have seen Hotel Artemis, I have seen Ocean's 8, and I have seen Hereditary. So I'm and not. You I, work during this too, don't you? I do. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I'm, come on now. I go into the movie theater. Got to respect respect the movie theater. Um, but you know, at least what I'm going to be talking about is Hotel Artemis because the most beautiful thing about that movie is that I saw that on an early release, like a screener sort of thing, on Wednesday, and it had no trailers. And that movie was literally in at seven o'clock, out at eight thirty. It was amazing. So thank you for that. Movie was fun. Um, I'm definitely going to keep it spoiler free because we're probably going to be talking about it for some length later on, hopefully. Um, I did really enjoy the movie. I think right now, uh, spoiler alert, Dave Bautista like, kills the show. That dude has now emerged as being like my favorite actor. Um, and I really, really hope him and The Rock are in the movie together because that would just come full circle and it'd be amazing. So I think th- those are by far one of the two most like hilarious characters, I think, when they're stepping into their acting roles and uh, flex their acting chops. Um, he doesn't really get the chance to do this much this time, but it was like more of a serious, more of an action. But he was also a different sort of character that you don't really see. Um, and it's not as op- overly out there like Guardians of the Galaxy. It was more um, uh, confined. So I really liked his character and I just liked the entire movie. So we are excited. We are pumped. What we're going to be doing is that we're going to take a quick break. Uh, We're going to break down and talk about upgrade, you know, the technology in the movie, along with the acting and the dialogue and, you know, any other sort of uh, juicy bits that we're going to talk about this movie. So if you haven't seen the movie Upgrade yet, it's in theaters right now. Pause the podcast. Go check out the movie. Grab some popcorn. Come back. We will be here. We will entertain your tail off and we will be here for a full review of Upgrade. See you soon. tonight what we were doing is that we're going to be giving you a full review of upgrade um it's a new film by director and writer lee Wanell. um it stars logan green marshall uh we joked around but that's the guy who looks like uh mike blewett apparently or um knock off tom hardy um along with kind of richard uh anastasios uh roscoe campbell and a couple other people 
I'm excited to talk about this movie because there's a lot of technology in this movie, uh, along with the the acting. I'm not sure we have some extra bits that we're talking about. Uh, I'm going to toss it over to Brylan because I know that we had talking before. Uh, and Brylan, tell me about the, uh, the technology in the movie, along with kind of the manual, so the automatic and just the action sequences uh, as a whole. Yeah, uh, this movie was really interesting because when I first saw it, um, I first saw it advertised on Instagram. I didn't really see a movie trailer for it or anything. Uh, and so I thought it was like a remake of Mario Van Peebles solo and not solo a Star Wars story. So I thought it was like, oh boy, we have another one of these. But I was pleasantly supply- surprised about how much fun I had with the action scenes and like the cool concepts they bring up for the technology. Uh, they definitely do a really good job with a limited budget to actually make a grounded world of kind of a cyberpunk or near future cyberpunk world that's kind of getting to that like blade runner-esque future but it's not quite there yet so they have a really nice mix of people that do like work with muscle cars and drive those around and have manual transmissions still in their vehicles but also the fully automated systems that the nouveau riche will actually afford and just they'll sit in their cars and just tell it to go wherever they want and i thought it made like a really cool um juxtaposition between uh, our our uh, lead character and kind of what um, he's uh, he's uh, kind of has to rely on at a certain point, but also what he's kind of fighting against too. Um, and I thought it was uh, there were some some cheesy moments. Like I thought it was really cool. Like the doctors all had cybernetic eyes, but then to actually do the surgery to put stem into grade, they have a giant ass scalpel that just looks like a big toy scalpel they got from like Toys R Us is uh, going out business sale or something. Yeah. It didn't make any sense how there were some things that were so futuristic and out there and other ones that I'm like, but why, why, why do you only have two arms to pour, make a shake when you can, just do that with like wh- why is it only two shouldn't there be like maybe eight to make it easier and those only two arms are against the wall that doesn't go anywhere so what if he has to like ugh, it was it, i think that was a little bit yeah. silly i was i was surprised about like they did it on one area of the movie but not anywhere else yeah um, and i and i found some of the action um first off like when it comes to technology i thought the gun arms were awesome i thought that was a really cool concept just seeing the dude load uh, shotgun shells into his bicep and then start shooting at people. That was a really cool scene. And I think it was really neat to see. Um, well, I would say at first I thought it was kind of weird, like how gray he becomes a quadriplegic and how STEM takes over. And they went with the idea of that he's still a quadriplegic and there's just an electrical system trying to fire his muscles and his nerves again to make motors uh motor skills happen and it does look like he's uh auditioning for another um weekend at bernie's sequel and just moving around flopping his arms kind of but it kind of grew on me and i was like yeah the more i think about it that kind of makes sense that he's like not really in control but it's um is kind of being forced to do these movements but also at times stem make uh, allows him to have a bit of motor control and that those times is a bit smoother so it was really cool to see that difference in the physical action when it's it comes like, to that it's like vincent D- uh, d'onofrio in men in black 
Where it's <laughs> just much. like he just and which I can I can imagine is very hard as a physical actor to do where you have to be like not human. It's like just move but not how people move. I can imagine that's that's very difficult. Wait, wh- who was Vincent D'Onofrio? Was he the sugar guy? Sugar. Yeah. Give me sugar and water. Are you oh, serious? That's, yeah, that's Vincent, awesome. that's Vincent no D'Onofrio. Hi. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's Tommy wow. Lee Jones, Will Smith, and Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> that's so good. Yo, I, I honestly thought that Vincent D'Onofrio first appeared into the world for Daredevil. <laughs> and since then, I've been learning that he's in oh, all these oh. movies that I had no idea who he was at the time. Full metal he, jacket, man. Yeah. He was like that guy that I was like, oh, he's really <laughs> famous that I don't know him from anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bryland, if I may interject, I think that this movie was like the greatest near future movie I think I've seen in a long time. It was like, to me, it was Blade Runner 2029. Like it wasn't quite 2049, but it was like, uh, the technology was definitely, we're trending there, right? Like fully autonomous cars. This is like 10 years from now. Yeah, this is, I could conceivably see this happening in 10 years. Um, and I'm excited. Uh, I hate driving to work every morning and I cannot wait until I can just hit a button on my phone and a little Uber autonomous car picks me up and takes me to work. Like that's going like to the- have a gun in my arm. See, th- that's honestly, the more I think about it, the more I hate it and love it. Uh, because it's one of those things that's out of like an eighties movie that you're like, yeah. what are people, <laughs> what are dudes like? Biceps. What do dudes like? Mm. Guns. Bicep. Mm. God. Like it's. It seems like a really, really terrible, broed out, like coked out, uh, executive meeting that they're like, let's make bicep guards. And, and like amazing. It's and so like too. part of me, part of me, the analytical side of my brain is just like that's stupid. It was way cooler seeing like the little matrix, uh, you know, probe things that melt a brain, like or seeing these people fight with cybernetics, you know, hand to hand. Uh, that one scene where he's just like, you know, we can't beat him. He's analyzing our moves too fast was really cool. Uh, but on the other side of me, that's watched every single Expendables and every single Stallone movie he's ever put out. I loved it. Like it was, you know, it's like so stupid, but it works. Yeah. That scene where Gray and Fisk have their hand to hand combat. That's really cool. Just because you get, you, you see that STEM is, even though STEM is probably the most advanced technology during this time it's it ha- it's strong in certain areas but it's not overall omnipotent compared to the other technology it's not going to change the world at a fraction of a second which i find really interesting that it can be vulnerable at times well do you guys think that stem let the guy win though to make him follow where he needed to go uh i think we can get what into that later made him win Okay, we'll talk about that a little bit later. I, yeah, I, I, I want to unpack this fist before killing them. Type yeah. of thing. I want to make uh, this this uh, kind of philosophical debate. I think it's interesting that we're presented with a main character, and I don't know if this goes into acting or in dialogue versus like the the action. But um, I think we I brought it up, so I'm gonna say it. Uh, I think it's interesting that we got a, presented with a main character that was a completely analog person that was juxtaposed against the highly technological wife, which I honestly found very cheesy and didn't really work. It was too ham-fisted for me. Like, oh, I like tech, and oh, I like I like analog stuff. Whatever, who cares? Um, people aren't that like black and white. 
But I do think it's really interesting that they had the main character that, uh, well, sometimes they're like Mocha and kind of brown in the middle. Uh, <laughs> I'm a perfect blend. <laughs> so dark, uh, dark roast. So, but like, like it's interesting where we had a we had a character that through through Carmel his Mike development. Yano? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's play and get his thought out. Sorry. I'm sorry. That just came up. Carmel Macchiato. Come on, man. That's, that's, that's I think okay. it's a Carmel Macchiato. Oh, damn. There we go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sorry. Go. Terrible sorry. puns. But I think it's interesting that we have a character that, through his development, becomes more of an acceptor of the digital life. Like he is forced to embrace the digital world through through you know trials and tribulations to make his life better and something that he couldn't have done at the beginning of the film and i think it's interesting that you are juxtaposing that not against the wife but against stem and stem is a completely digital framework that needs to needs to accept its humanity side of things to move forward rather than its digital side um and i think that that really really worked in the movie um, that you had these two characters going essentially opposite ways, even if you didn't know Stem was a character until the very end. I do like that concept. I actually was thinking it more, more so of like just being like the actual user, the end user, like thinking about you know how does um, man, what's his name? Not Stem, but what's the other guy's name? I'll think, I'll look in a second. Uh, but how uh, Gray? His uh, Gray. His name was Gray. Okay. What? <laughs> what? Uh, how Gray was actually feeling about it, and I think it was more of along the line. The, I guess what I was getting out of the story was it was more along the lines of like a hopelessness that was happening of this is going to happen whether you like it or not. Um, and I think one of the more impactful scenes is that you see those people who, um, what you know, um, Ready Player One kind of sort of alluded to, hinted at a little bit was people are going to go actually more closer to the matrix. Uh, people are going to be also like tied and like, will go and want to live in the digital world and we'll all stay in VR because it's easier. And he's like, no, 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 that'll never happen. Never happen. But then he it, like ultimately, you know, the future caught up with him and he didn't have a choice. And so that was the kind of focus. But I actually never, never stems character. Um, and how the majority of the stuff was kind of affecting him. Or it. I don't say. Don't ask its gender. <laughs> don't assume its gender. Uh, Brylan, what else do you have? Um, that's all I have for that. Mocha? So, this movie was the Knight Rider reboot I never knew I needed. Um, it was a really grisly version of Knight Rider, but I totally got that vibe the entire way through and I wasn't expecting it. A lot of this movie really, really surprised me. And it did something that I find I, I appreciate in movies that aren't, uh, that are just trying to be what they are and are trying to be just like fun time where it brought in the coolest elements from a bunch of movies that are already cool. Um, it was like, like I said, I got the Knight Rider vibe, but it was definitely like Knight Rider meets John Wick with like a little splash of her in there. Um, it had all these different elements that were just like really neat. And I didn't, I went into this movie as usual, not knowing anything about it and wasn't expecting the whole paraplegic angle from it. I knew that this guy was going to have some sort of technological upgrade to make him fight better, but I didn't know that he was going to be paralyzed from the neck down. And that is such a cool, it turned into such a cool version of a superhero origin story because you have a guy who literally has a secret identity, right? He's rolling around in broad daylight 
in a wheelchair and nobody thinks anything of him, right? Like think Clark Kent, like with his glasses on, nobody cares about a guy with glasses, um, but he takes <laughs> off the glasses a steps out of the wheelchair and turns on STEM. And suddenly he's this like awesome badass who can like take on armies. Um, and it was just like fine. really, yeah, it was so it's cool. In our dude's face. Oh man. Oh gosh. The gore in this movie was so, was cool. And it was pretty, Amazing. it was pretty fairly like evenly handed. I'd say too. Like the moments where it got gory, it would usually just suddenly get really gory um, to a point where every single time something gnarly happened, it shocked the audience into laughing out loud. Like I yelled in the theater with the first death when the guy when he pulls the knife through the guy's jaw and like splits his mouth open. I shot. I was like, ha! Yeah. Ah! And like <laughs> the entire theater was like laughing, and I was laughing too because I was like, man, that that was unexpected and just so gnarly. Um, but like the fight scenes were all really cool, and they were evenly spread out. It wasn't nonstop fighting like you would get with John Wick, which is great. Like, I like John Wick, but this movie didn't like actually took its time to try to tell a different like a story about this character going through his life with this implant, not just him going on a nonstop rampage for an hour and a half. I will say this. The, <laughs> yeah. So I watched the trailer and the trailer honestly did wonders for this movie. I so the trailer, at least the trailer I saw was comprised of that first fight scene, like the first part of it, where he basically is getting his ass handed to him and he goes, Oh, STEM, turn on. And then he starts, you know, beating him up. And then it's just like, Upgrade, see it in theaters. Um, and so I thought that did wonders for me because I came into this movie expecting a beat him up, like uh, smoking aces, or what was that other like really fun, just uh, absolute beat him up movie? John Wick. Uh, shoot him up. Yeah, shoot him up. Uh, so yeah. it's like, you know, just like, you know, people getting thrown at and you just you, you toss them away and just do cool, cool stuff with it. Um, to your point, Mocha, the first 20 minutes are, are just like pure sci-fi philosophical shenanigans. And I loved it. Like I, I came in and I was just like, what am I watching right now? Did I go in the right theater? Like, and that made the payoff when they actually got to the fight scenes that much more because you were actually invested in the characters. Like they were, they felt like living, breathing human beings rather than just like some arbitrary big screen superhero. That's going to kick everyone's ass. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, I don't know if they made this movie with the intention of making it into a series. Um, I don't think it'll become a series because it's doing poorly in the box office right now, like really poorly. Um, but it was a perfect setup for like, like, like I said, an origin story, you know, this was a superhero origin story. And if we had gotten to see something, you know, something else come out of in the future, I mean, who knows what that bit would have been like, you know, but, I kind of, um, I kind of don't want to see anymore. Like to I don't me, yeah. to I'm me, satisfied. what, what's gonna, what's gonna come up against it, you know, spoiler alert, but like he killed the only person that could, uh, that could make another one. And it seemed like STEM was pretty indomitable. But I, I think at least when I was thinking about for that, Stem was the one who made, I, I thought at least when Stem was made, he didn't need anything, anybody else to then continue to keep making himself. And that's why when he say it's like the, the I think it's like a, like a saying of, you know, you don't kill your creator, but once you already exceeded your creator, you don't need him anymore because yeah, you can like, then continue to keep doing no, it. No, because like the first self-aware AI that yeah. has replicative prop properties to it but i don't think stem I, necessarily had oh no he definitely because stem made himself but like i think that uh iran like knew enough to make another one and so i think the other stem was worried about making another one that would have basically it's basically ultron versus the vision 
You know, yeah. like I thought. Yeah. I thought Stem wanted a girlfriend. Was why he wanted Aaron around. <laughs> what? No, he just wanted someone who can like. He was. He was. He was, he was a pretty man. I'll give him that. Aaron <laughs> was like bad. definitely. But I agree, Blewett. Like, if they want to go into the second movie, I could definitely see uh, them saying, "Oh, Aaron had some other stem chip made or whatever, and was testing it also, and had that movie be like stem versus stem." Um, like that could be a cool, like a cool movie in of itself. You could, but, you could almost do again, like. I, 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 I don't was, need that. What was that? Uh, was that movie uh, the Cloverfield movies? You could almost do another movie in that universe. <laughs> And like you know just take the take because they did such a great job of world building this thing and you could just take something else like the fisk bass story like Kobol. seeing Kobol make a version of stem and like have that exist in the real world would have been kind of cool to see like you don't necessarily need to make it stem versus stem you just have to do like you could do something else in the same world yeah exactly there was it could be some sort of like a corporate espionage situation um, so in that situation, in that case, it would be more of an Iron Man too. Right. Right. Um, the, the, but again, I'd be down for that. The world they made was really cool and really lived in too. Like I, I felt like, and again, I think it goes to the, the point where all of us work in tech. So I think we can all see the writing on the wall for most of the stuff here. Like there was no technology that, that was like, that's ridiculous. You know, there was every single thing they did was like, yeah, well, we have the shapings of that right now. You know, not quite, you know, bicep guns, but <laughs> we're, you know, there's other things that are like, like you could, you could see that in 10 years becoming that. And then I think, um, nope, lost it. Well, they even like explained the fact of why it was a, bi- uh, like, even if they didn't need to, and then kind of going off of Mocha's point, they were talking about, like, they, took their time they explained it and they set up a nice world although we're living in this place for like maybe a couple hours they still at least took the time to explain how a bicep gun is a possibility right yeah. fibering like like how everything was kind of tied together and they and they like there was like some throwaway lines almost but they at least give you validation of oh okay that's how they did that oh okay that's how they did that like literally put in the bullet in the bicep and literally kind of shooting it out it's a it's it's possible because they have a rod there and it's much like the pulling and pushing mechanism of a muscle. Like, is it possible? Yeah, with a stretch because, but it's a movie, but it's still something that they were able to do. I think one of the things that I just just enjoyed about the technology portion of itself was, you know, especially from the time that we have for right now. And, you know, while we're recording this, we just found out like two, you know, uh, celebrities has committed suicide and were taking their lives this, this week itself, that he attempted to do the same thing in this movie. And the technology was the one that said, no, like we, we can't or, or you know, at least kind of like disabled him from being able to do that, which is tough. And I like that they at least spend some time in like in those darker moments to see, you know, what else does he have to lose? Like this is a guy who's a mechanic, who's analog, who fixes cars or fixes up cars. And that's the things that he wants to focus he needs to on use his and, hands. He has yeah. that mobility to him. And it's tough, you know, once you lose that and you lose your wife in the same night, what else are you going to do, right? And I I, I like that that was like a nice driving force to at least... The nightly doses scene was hard to watch. Yeah. On purpose, but it was was, hard to watch. That even happens today with people in that similar situation where, yeah, they'll put morphine limiters because they'll hit a button and, you know, they'll keep on hitting the button because they just want... They don't want to be in that situation anymore. So I have um 
I have a friend, uh, a friend of a friend who is paralyzed from the, from the neck down and he got paralyzed by uh, during a drunken uh, pool party. He dove into the shallow end of the pool and dove too deeply and just like hit his head and broke his spine and just like lost all his feeling. And his, uh, this buddy dove in after him and pulled him up. And the first words that like the first thing he said when he came back up was put me back in because um, he just he just knew that he couldn't move anything. And he was just like, I don't want to deal with this. Um, like I wanted to be over already. And that was within like literally moments. Um, and so for me, the character like Logan Marshall Green's character, I agree with you, Blue. I didn't care about him at first. Like the whole I'm just an analog guy raging against a digital world stick was like was lame. And as you said, heavy handed. But he's really sold the quiet despair of being paralyzed as well as losing everything he loves. Um, it, I felt it. I completely felt it from his character when he's getting his when his mom is cutting his beard and he has that moment where he just starts crying because he can't take, oh, take it anymore. Yeah. He knows that everything is gone. That was brutal. And I wasn't expecting that kind of emotion from yeah. this movie. Um, you you yeah, could have so. start like some. No, never mind. I was going to say you could have started with the car ride to Aaron's place. But like you needed those you you needed those really cheesy, stupid scenes of him working with his hands to really understand like the character. They could have made it less terrible, but you needed it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was an also there was another reason too of the the reason he had the oil on and how the police officer who, who was named by Betty Gabriel Cortez, who by the way. She popped up in a bunch of amazing things. I think we saw her in Get Out, and then we saw I uh, see her in Westworld, and now she pops up here, and it's just amazing. So for sure, can I keep doing you? But at least you know they put in these little things, although that was like kind of cheesy and linear, and we knew exactly where the story was going. It was pretty easy to tell that oh, he has oil on his foot, and that's how for some strange reason they forgot to clean the oil and f- clean up his footprint on the front porch of the crime scene, but that's how they were able to kind of track them. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Blue, what else do you have? So two things. First of all, when they did the whole like hacking moment, when he was trying to shut STEM down, uh, I respect the hell out of this. They used the pseudo command. Like they, instead of just putting generic hacker speak onto it, where it was like, you know, whatever, whatever. (laughs) Or the hacking progress bar. Yeah. Just like, (laughs) yeah. Instead of keeping that, like, a pseudo kill is, you know, that's a, that's something that that's real, you know, like, uh, or kill being whatever they put on it. But like, I love that. It was some stupid moment that I think only me recognized and laughed at in my, you know, 50 or 60 year old filled theater. Um, as far as, uh, like technical ability, I thought the camera work is awesome in this. Um, they, they did this thing where, you see this in some of like the better action movies, like John Wick does this amazing where instead of making it uh, a fight scene full of cuts, uh, the camera pans back or, or the camera is like a million miles away and you just see two people like vaguely swinging at each other. The camera was at a medium distance. So you could see every hit connecting and getting blocked. And they yeah. didn't do, you know, microsecond cuts. They would do like, two or three second cuts, you know, like you could see several strikes hit and get blocked or hit and connect. And then you'd cut to a different angle. And so like, that's awesome. Like you can actually see that they put some attention into making these fight scenes work. The other thing is, uh, it got me a little dizzy at sometimes, but the, um, like the, the body running shaky cam was 
terrible, I would have to say. Where they do that like little blur effect behind it, it's just like him moving in a stabilized motion. <laughs> well, so I was going to say, that I liked terrible. it. I liked it. I didn't like the, it. Um, so it wasn't yeah, shaky it. cam because it was attached to him. So what it looks like yeah. is the, the actor wears a harness and then the camera comes out about five feet in front of them and then it up. So anytime the art, uh, the actor moves, they stay perfectly aligned in the center of it. It's just the background image changes. And I thought they used that to great effect, especially with all when STEM really kicked in and was doing all like the flips and stuff. And the actor would stay perfectly in frame. And then the entire environment would move around him. Uh, that was awesome camera work. Yeah. I actually thought the camera work was really impressive. That shake movement kind of worked for me only because it was. It made it clear. Um, even if they didn't, if you couldn't tell from watching the movie itself, you could tell from the camera work when it was a robot in control of the human. Um, and even when, even when the actor Logan Michael Green was walking, like when Stem would take over and he would walk, he would be talking like normal. But every and his head would move like normal. But his body had this really subtle, like rigid roboticness to it, like in like perfect posture and just kind of like moved in a way that wasn't overt, but definitely different than how he was walking in every other scene in the movie from pre paralysis um so i actually really dig the camera work in this movie i, I said this i didn't before, like that the, i didn't like the walking part i thought that was a little silly a little too much like they didn't need the walking uh, component because especially stem would know at least the majority of the biomechanics on how people would walk so the fact that they put the roboticness in there i thought that was kind of over no uh, but it, stem, it stem was away. definitely above walking like quap but so but it did not have the perfect it's that flash game that you can play where you control every <laughs> limb and you try and like run a hundred, like a hundred meter dash. Uh, I'm, glad you, I, I'm glad you got my facial expression. The, you young bucks are in your quops. I, I don't know what that is. Dude, my, quops my from favorite like limb. seven years ago. Happy wheels. My favorite limb controlling game is Octodad. The one where you play an octopus who is disguised himself as a family, uh, the father of a family. And you have to play the game and not like help keep everyone else from realizing that you're actually an octopus in a human suit. And like you move really weirdly because you have to control all his tentacles at once. That's weird. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyways, back to actual points. It's fun. Um, again, from a technical standpoint, like that was amazing. That uh, was the name. Logan Michael was Logan Michael Green. Great. Um, Joseph Gordon. Love it. Logan Marshall Green, but in this movie, it's gray. Yeah, fine, whatever, gray. Uh, so I thought it was really impressive that gray was able to move his body in two distinct manners. Like, I, I can change how my body moves as a whole a little bit, you know, but not, like, distinctively move my head like our normal person and then body like a machine. Like, that would take a lot of practice. And from a purely technical acting standpoint, and I know I said this earlier, but, like, that was freaking cool to watch. Like, that must have taken a lot yeah. of work for him to get down. And I'm kind of interested in that. When it comes to the flips that look a little bit more robotic and everything, is that him or more of just assisted wiring and stuff like it's that? Got, it looked all like wiring. It looked like a Matrix, like, you know, John, it was a John impressive. film. Yeah, because you don't, it, it's not like the martial art flip. It is that this is a how a machine would flip something. I got flipping a human body. I got to imagine that because of the terrible budget, though, that they did it with mostly practical rather than like just animating them in. You know, I got yeah. to imagine that a, a pulley system and getting a camera operator to move it in the same time is definitely cheaper than 
you know, CGIing the whole thing. Yeah. I think it's interesting that his name is uh, Gray Trace uh, because we know see the system of there's analog and then there's machines and then there's somebody who's like right in the middle with a little trace of gray. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's my nerdy fact of the day. Um, the only other thing that I do want to kind of add before we go, get into like the acting <clears throat> and like the dialogue and the writing and uh, anything else was uh we were talking about like the kills i do like the movement because it felt like you're on like a roller coaster and you're strapped down into the roller coaster and like the machine itself everything's moving but you're stuck in the middle um but it was i don't know exactly what this is um or what sort of genre or what beat but it was like a mix between there is the violence in this movie but it was so over the top that it was comedic um and we talked about it in the first kill with literally almost decapitating the guy that you were like, oh, it was bad. And then it just goes over the top and you want to laugh, even to the point where, you know, one of the second times that he's sitting on the guys and he says, well, OK, you know, Stim, go take over and I'll make him talk. And Stim slices up his face a bunch. Yeah. And you're like, I'm, I'm sitting there laughing. I'm like, oh, man, like, I don't I, I, I guess I shouldn't be laughing because somebody's getting tortured. But that's kind of funny. Uh, I guess it's the same way, like even in Deadpool 2, and it's the same exact concept of when he fell off and he was trying to save the boy and he broke his neck while he was just on the lunch table. I was laughing because that's hilarious because it's so over the top that you don't want to see that. It's I guess it's so fantastical. Um, so I'm not entirely sure exactly like what sort of genre or what that is, but they they do a good job, especially doing it because, you know, when uh he's running away from gray uh gray's running away and from fisk's henchman he go and he's like hey could you could solve this he's like oh i just need a couple seconds boom 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 disarms the guy chops his uh arm uh, gun arm and then blows his brains out and all the blood splatters and he just runs away and that happens within 10 seconds and you're like oh, yeah. i i thought one my my favorite accidental comedy death was the vessel operatives coming up in the elevator they do that classic oh. we're gonna shake because a lot of bullets are going into us <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> like oh it's fantastic so silly yeah so i mean that would be like like a couple of the things that i do want to kind of add about like technology and i'm um, the things in the, this uh scenario but let's talk about the acting let's talk hey, about the, the dialogue hey, and what yeah. One, yeah. one last question so during that last fight scene with fisk uh, Stem admits to losing. Why do you think that happened? Do you think Stem was actually losing and just wanted to test um, Gray's humanity and see well, if, his, this, if his humanity yeah. could pull him out? Because in the end, he places him in a dream world. So Gray's humanity didn't actually matter. Because yeah, it was I mean, not... A, it was not a, was... It's not symbiotic, the relationship. It's a parasite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what I was alluding to before when Brylan had said of he was losing. I, I, I think, again, this is why STEM let him win, because the downside or the weakness of humans are, is the emotional component. And he, they alluded to it both, and Fisk did the first thing to Gray, and then Gray did it back to Fisk. And STEM knows that the weakness is emotional, and once you get your host or once you get the, your villain or your um, component uh, opponent uh, emotionally uh, like hijacked, whatever, right? Once you get them like emotional, then they they can't focus, they lose everything, and that's like the downside. So the moment yeah. that 
You, it was like Stim asking Gray to hack this because he can't do it directly Ooh. himself. Ooh, nice. That's nice. Good. That's good. So, I mean, that so, goes back to the, the concept of free will, you know, like, did Gray actually have free will or is that what Stem wanted him to do? Well, Gray didn't have free will over, uh, uh, Gray has free will over his it's, emotional state. And so he was able to kind of get to there and talk about the fact well, but that if Stem, if Stem his hacked consciousness it, was free. Yeah, yeah, consciousness. There you go. His consciousness was free will, but his body was being puppet puppeteered. Right, but if if Stem asked him to bust out the humanitarian side of him and like to appeal to Fisk's, Fisk's human side, did but Gray do? I Gray, think did Gray do I, that by free will? Yes, I think yeah, so. so. I think so. His I mind mean, was telling Gray, him no, Gray was, but his body. He was he was coerced because he was in a, in, a, in a situation where if he does it, do it, he's going to die. So it was coercion, but I definitely think it was his own choice, his own free will. Yeah, but do you yeah. think Stem would have actually let him die? I don't think Stem would have had a choice in that situation. I think he was outplayed. I don't think Stem let himself get back into a corner just to test Gray. I think that's, like, that's a weirdly emotional response for what was clearly a robotic, emotionless machine. Right, but like you could you could make the argument that Stem was better than what Coble had, and that uh, Stem was going to win that fight anyways. I don't know. I don't know. I don't I, know. Don't know. I, I think it's, it's yeah. like a it's a, a psychological conundrum, right? That's, I, I don't, or I don't it could be bad storytelling, because, which is why the, we should talk about, about acting and dialogue. Bad <laughs> storytelling. The thing about Stem is that Stem was putting all his uh, his or her robotic chips on the line. By bet- betting on Gray, getting him to that point, it was all a gamble on, uh, like, or at least a calculated risk on on Stem's part. So I don't think that Stem would have had seen any sort of um, cost benefit analysis involved in, like, in playing like my like and being like doing something like that. Um, I think as a as a machine, she would have just it would have just gone and done whatever it thought it need- would have been the best possibility to win. And in that situation, it saw a decreasing possibility in winning that fight at the time. Don't ever tell me the odds. <laughs> Terrible. Don't ever give me a statistical analysis. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about acting. Let's talk about a bit of the dialogue. Uh, Brylin. Yeah, so I have to hand it to Logan Marshall Green. He did do a really good job for what he had to work with in this movie because this uh, this script was full of some very ham-fisted dialogue that was cheesy as hell. Like, even at the beginning, there were moments where I thought they didn't even write a complete sentence. And you get weird sentences like, what do you think, wife? I don't know, husband. And it just sounded like, they did this so the actors could remember who they were talking to. And they like the actors had a bad time of remembering like characters' names or something. Uh, and it just got worse and worse. Like there's I mean, not many of the actors are really good. I would say the only two that really stand out for me are um are Gray and Fisk. I think those two do a solid job. Fisk is a really good foil. The voice of Stem is the voice of Stem. They sounds like a robot. It's very generic. Um, but I would have to say Aaron, I mean, he's very stereotypical, like on the spectrum billionaire, but like he literally lives in a basement. It's a very fancy basement, but he literally lives in a basement. What do you have there? It's a cloud. Yeah. This is my cloud. Oh, oh I, God, love I love that line. I love that line. 
<laughs> so yeah, I mean, definitely a lot of cheesy dialogue. Um, I also felt like when it comes to the story, there's the twist that um, the person that actually came after Gray and his wife was Stem itself. And I felt that that was handled just very heavy handed. It's very, feels very tacked on uh, because they kind of lead it back where Fisk got money from a vessel or from Aaron. He found like on his phone that Aaron sent him money and then Gray's going after Aaron. Like, yeah, that's the logical sense. And I think you could have probably done really good if the actor was better that played Aaron to leave it at that and just like have it like Aaron was kind of like pissed off at this little like assumption of this analog guy making fun of the digital the guy that's totally relying on digital stuff when he shows him stem for the first time and has just a simple human emotion of jealousy and uh pettiness when this guy that doesn't connect to it uh makes fun of this genius thing he's done and just show like how that just leads them over to the edge. You could have worked on that a bit more rather than having this additional twist of, Oh, this chip actually was controlling its owner the whole time. Once it became sentient. And that's why Aaron did all these things. Like what would your wife think that line that he delivers in the hospital? Or what would your wife want you to do to get him better and actually get him on his feet and act him, have him act like he's on his side. Um, it was just handled really poorly uh, throughout this movie. Uh, I thought it was kind of weird that they had a couple like flashbacks or flash forwards. You're not entirely sure, but he was waking up and he mean Gray would wake up and his wife is there. And you're not like, I'm not entirely sure why like he was having these visions. Uh, it wasn't all the times that he was dreaming. So I thought that was kind of strange. The thing that I thought was interesting is, again, um, one of the points that um, Blue it was bringing up of, I really liked the fact that they talked about the code and the pseudo user and how she explained it and how STEM actually explained it. But I felt like that part of the movie came at a wrong time because if STEM needed that, like it stem clearly needed that hacker some other hacker information to kind of take it offline and then completely remove all the safety controls basically and so yeah. then the last component that you know stem needed was him uh great like mentally uh be unfit and unstable so that then she the stem can just push it and push him into this sort of vr state but it felt like the hacking sequence came and then we still had about 35 minutes of the movie before it then kind of maybe like 15, 20 minutes of the movie. But then it kind of ended. And I was like, that. I felt like that component was misplaced um, because whenever that happens, it all should happen kind of closer together. Because if the police officer found where he was going to go in the end, if the police officer wasn't there, uh, Gray just wants to simply kill Aaron. There is no emotional stakes there. So yeah, and there's just a lot of logic flaws behind how STEM works, too. So, I mean, you understand why STEM is able to control Gray because he's literally put inside of him. He's connected to his neural, uh, his, um, his, uh, pretty much his spinal cord. So he actually controls his neurons and everything and fires them and can connect to his brain. So, but how the hell did he control Aaron if he was just a microchip chilling on a table? How could he actually threaten this guy unless he just like said, I took over your house and I'm 
going to release all your dirty porn onto the internet or some weird <laughs> shit like that well, and hold I, it for blackmail, so I, I think, guess. I think they made I reference. I mean, if, I could, if I could finish, please. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing is, like, yeah, that hacker thing, that could have actually been a really cool, like, social commentary, but they actually just have some bad, cheesy little one-liners in here. It's like, Jamie's not my name. Don't ask about my gender, and that's it. And you just, uh, and why, I was like, what is the point to bring that up if you want to have like a very antisocial hacker? Why would they say that in the first place? Well, to be <laughs> fair, I think that again, going towards the way where like society is trending, you know, gender in the last two or three years has become a very, very big sticking point. I think that that might be a pretty legit question going forward. Um, that like people, you know, p- people, more people, more and more people are identifying as gender non-binary than we have in the past. And I think that that is a trend that we will continually to see rise, especially as we equate gender, not necessarily towards like sex, but towards other characteristics. And so that made sense. I kind of thought it was funny, but I also oh, yeah, thought I totally it was like, got that, but it's just a bad line delivery and it's just bad to why bring that up in that it moment? Wasn't, it, it wasn't. Makes the, no sense at it wasn't. It wasn't the greatest acting, but I thought it was a nice juxtaposition of like uh, where society is currently today, where like asking someone their name and assuming their gender is is common. You know, like I can look at everyone, and be like, "Oh, this is Bryland, Mike, and Warren, all men." Uh, you know, and whereas like, and I think in currently going forward, uh, talking about how you know, like you can't necessarily assume a name. So why would you even consider gender? And so I thought it, it kind of worked. I, like I'm not, a, again, I've said this in the past. I'm not a super like socially conscious person. I'm kind of a dumbass that floats through space, hopefully not <laughs> hitting of. his head on, on I beams. But uh, I thought that line really worked because it, it, it plays off where we are as a society and where we will probably be in a decade from now. Um, the other thing on that is I think uh, to respond at least to your your criticism on how STEM had been organizing like or had been blackmailing Aaron, I think that – hang on one second. Is it Aaron or Aaron? Because I've been flipping so hard on this. It's Enron. It's, we, Enron. We, don't, we don't care. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Enron. Enron. It doesn't all right. Matter. So, so Halliburton over here is all about – yeah, Elon Musk. <laughs> Um, yeah, Elon Wong over there is thinking basically that, uh, thank you, Breland. Um, so basically Ellen, uh, DeGeneres is over here and that's actually an inside joke on one of our, our current bosses, not a play on the short haired blonde person that was presented in the movie. Um, even though it kind of works in both manners. So I'm getting so sidetracked, but I think that damn point, (laughs) I think that if you had a device, like take for example, IBM's Watson, IBM's Watson is, I can name Watson over the current CEO of IBM right now. Right? Like, um, and I think that Watson probably does a lot more public outreach than the CEO of IBM does. And so conceivably you could have a machine, especially if it can pass not necessarily the Turing test, but like uh, some sort of like auto concealment function, you could conceivably have a machine that is functioning, making business decisions that are better than a human, but doing it privately and somehow conveying to the human to not expose that it is doing that. Like, I don't think this is a big surprise to anyone that like 
machines are driving the stock market. They're driving uh, financial investments. Like machines are driving big data. They're, they're driving these huge decisions that people are making. And conceivably, you could finally invent a system that tells its human not to do that. Not to say, all right, we're using Watson. We're not using, you know, whatever. I'm coming up with these ideas. And so I think it could work. STEM makes sense to me. So you're, thinking, you're saying it's kind of like he just took over like being Aaron for the business and he said, hey, Aaron, play with this cloud and just left Aaron in his house. Dude, if I, could, if I could be Aaron and play with the cloud all day, I love it. Because I could maybe understand what iCloud is. Because no one knows. Uh, no one knows. <laughs> Uh, oh, said my jokes are bad. That was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I never said my jokes are good. Um, yeah, so I know that the the dialogue, the acting was pretty piss poor. Um, but this fact that you know the plot itself is pretty easy and pretty, uh, I, you can I definitely get it. I do like the fact that it was a bit of a twist. I wasn't entirely sure if of it was going to be like an ex machina sort of end of staying going to take over or there were something to do with his wife's whose name i forget his wife's company and that that was going to be coming back and how did these uh beings that were war veterans get like upgraded there were just a lot of things that were just not really explained that i kind of wanted to know about it because it looks like they put a lot of time into building the world and building up some of the stakes and then just discarded it so i was kind of a bum that they kind of um didn't really put some time into explaining that a little more thoroughly Mocha. Yeah, um, for this movie, you know, the story itself wasn't particularly surprising or innovative, um, and it kind of telegraphed itself pretty strongly throughout. So that was a bit of a bummer. But again, like the f- explanation of the story or how the story unfolded was really fun. So it kind of balances it out. Um, my, I also want to just point out that uh, Iran and his character blows the actor who plays him blows. Um, I am getting really tired of the old, like the whole. Like tech billionaire who's on the spectrum shtick. Um, as Blue had mentioned earlier, I'll, everyone here in this room is on is in tech. None of us are billionaires, but I feel like maybe there could be like there's room for at least one different type of tech billionaire out there in a in a movie. So um, I will defend this a little bit because I think that a lot of the times you either quantify these uh, folks that get that high. Like what is it? 60% of American CEOs are psychologically defended as psychopaths. So you, you get one of the two, you get, you get either the, uh, Billy from, uh, the Punisher psychopath, you know, as a CEO, or you get these very like intelligent people, savant type people that are leading a company. Uh, I, I personally liked him. I liked his idiot syncrasies. And I think that like, he was kind of, he was interesting <laughs> and uh, he, he was oddly sympathetic at the end where he clearly was this genius that was trapped, hilariously overshadowed. You know, he was the smartest man <laughs> in the room up until the point where he invented STEM and then he was the dumbest person in the room afterwards. And I, I really like that transition. You could say yeah. his judgment was clouded. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Damn it. Yeah, I want a whole ba- prequel movie about the cloud. I feel like that would maybe a different <laughs> AI project. <laughs> STEM versus the cloud. Let's go. Um, it's just, it's but, just Gerald Butler sh- punching a cloud. 
<laughs> just be terrible. I've got movie pads. I'll go see it. <laughs> um, but uh, what you call it? Yeah. So I didn't really care too much for his character. Again, like as I mentioned, most of this movie like telegraphed itself. So I don't think it was really a surprise that he wound up that the entire plot of this movie was actually um, them using Gray's character and like forcing him into these shitty situations in order to mold him into the the prototype that they want that they wanted. Um, but it was a really it was really fun along the way. I, I I echo all of your sentiments about the cheesy dialogue, um, the you know the the acting in general. I don't know. I don't have too much to add to this portion other than the fact that I don't dig Spectrum Iran. Um, <laughs> I just want like a tech billionaire who can like make eye contact. That's that's all I want. Uh, Blue, you have anything else before we uh, move to the next section of just anything else we haven't talked about, and then conclusions? No, I will say this: uh, the the ending, because I think a couple of people have alluded to it. Uh, the ending, the real one, actually did get me by surprise. Uh, the fake ending where Iran uh, was like, you know, the one who was the evil person. Uh, the entire movie, I was like. As soon as I saw the dude, I was like, he's going to betray him. He is the one behind this. He is definitely doing it. Um, and then it paid off. And then about 17 seconds later, it was Stem was like, oh, I'm in control. And, and that kind of blew my mind. Uh, so I, I'll say this. Well done, Upgrade. Uh, you telegraphed the obvious ending and then subverted it with a less obvious one. Um, yeah, I thought it was I, I like the ending. Personally. Yeah, I I definitely enjoyed that. I didn't see that coming at all, and especially no. because they it looks like they hinted it a little bit of the VR people, and, I, and this was what I was talking about before of you know why would they ever want to go in VR blah blah blah, and um this is why like Gray was having such like a a big deal about that, and um it was funny because Stim's like oh no bye, and literally just kind of sent him directly into there, and he was in his he was in his happy place because I wife didn't was make that connection, there. but that's freaking brilliant. Yeah. yeah, that that's one thing I want to point out too. Like, I like the theme of the VR and like the idea behind it, but I hate the fact that not just in this movie, but also in most movies I've seen it in, when people are portrayed using VR, they look like these weird like cave creatures, like golems, like looking around. You're always like shadow dancing. <laughs> yeah, and the point of VR is that you act like yourself inside a virtual world, so things look different. But it doesn't mean that you suddenly become some sort of like spider creature whose limbs are like all like turned around. It was just so it's so strange to me that sci-fi movies like run VR in that way in this decade. Like I could see people like going with that in the in the 80s, but like the movie that I went to see the theater that I went to see this movie theater in or the theater that I went to see this movie in has their entire first floor set up with VR games. And if you ever watch anybody in there, they're not doing that move. So it's not like we don't have an idea of what VR is like nowadays. I've never done VR, so um, I thought that's how I was going to look. I guess not. I mean, that's how you move around normally anyway, so you probably would look like that in VR. (laughs) Hello, Mocha. (laughs) (laughs) How can I help you? (laughs) Um, So, you know, in conclusion, like, would you have people, would you recommend seeing this movie? If so, what other movie would you want somebody else to see before watching this, or you want to go into cold? Uh, Bradley, what do you think? Lasting (laughs) thoughts? Uh, yeah, so I thought, I mean, I was actually surprisingly entertained by this movie, even though it does have some cheesy dialogue, the plot's very heavy handed and dumb. Um, gray, uh, the guy that plays gray, um, he does a really great job. 
with his character to take us through like also in like a not only this uh this physical adventure but also a very emotional one as well um but i'm also like very impressed by like the production and like the marketing of this i mean like i said like i only saw this marketed by um by social media and uh i think this is a bloomhouse production so it's really cool to see that they're not sticking to just horror genres they're kind of branching out and trying to give just people with unique ideas uh the chance to make these low budget films and kind of bring them to reality and i think with the budget they had which was about three to five million they uh they did a really good job of building a world out that was really cool about technology and um what is it going to look like when we start to grow into that more technological realm where we're relying on automation and artificial intelligence for menial tasks versus how we're used to just doing things kind of more of a manual way uh, as human beings. And I say that as someone that loves being on the forefront of technology, but also at the same time, my favorite car is a 1970 Plymouth Barracuda, Jet Black. That's never going to change for me. Um, but uh, I think it's really cool that uh, this movie is actually doing financially well. It made $5 million its weekend, uh, and it's uh, had about 3 to $5 million budget. So it's about to make a profit. And I think that's Bloomhouse is actually doing a really good job of making movies that are profitable with uh, small budgets, but some really cool ideas as well. It a $5 nice. million dollar budget. Yeah. That's unreal. That's three to five. Didn't, didn't like Robert Downey Jr. Cost Marvel like 20 or 30 million, 30 million dollars. 60 million. That's insane. Yeah. Hell, even Kubo, which we were like raging about a couple of years ago, was thirty million. Yeah. Sorry, that just well, blew my mind. I didn't think that budget was that that low. Uh, Mocha, lasting thoughts. Yeah. Um, if you guys want to talk about movies that you should watch before seeing this one, obviously you don't need it for plot, but go see uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, Her, and John Wick. Um, each of those movies individually is an infinitely better movie than this one. However, this movie pulls elements from each of those three and is a good movie in and of itself. Um, so it might be worth your while, especially if you just haven't seen those movies. Like, what's wrong with you? Um, I I said earlier that the movie isn't doing too well in like terms of box office. And Bradley, you, you did a good job of putting it into context. Like, it was an extremely low budget. And so while it's not doing well in terms of what a blockbuster should be doing, it is actually like it is profitable at, profitable at this point. I yeah. wish that people would go see this movie so that it could do, do even uh, better because it was good for, for what it was. It was a super entertaining film that got a lot of surprises out of me and made me like laugh and also feel really sad um, throughout it. So um, yeah, go see this movie. It's fun. Don't bring your children to see it unless you're into your children seeing really, really dramatic sudden gore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but even if you're not into gore, it's, it's sparsely used and used only in the fight scene. So uh, go see it anyway and just, just bear with it. Blue, what you got? One quick question. Do you think this would uh, would have been a better movie suited for Netflix with that budget? I mean, Bright, didn't we say Bright Ooh. was like $60 million? Um, I don't think so. Um, just because Bright had Will Smith in it and Joel Edgerton. Yeah. I think this so, feels more like a sci-fi original. Yeah, but I, yeah, I don't, uh, I think this is probably facts. the best sci It did. I don't think this movie would have been I mean this movie would have been 
well, well, better funded if it was through Netflix. But I also think that in any sort of artistic expression, if you are limited in any ways, it creates really unique forms of artistic expression. The, oh, and I this, think that if it did have a bigger budget, it wouldn't have necessarily been the same type of no, movie. No, no, this movie did not need a bigger budget at all. But I'm just saying that, like, would you... Because I think we did the... Uh, when we did the Bright review, we calculated how many people had seen it times the average movie cost. And we, I think... I think they had a $30 million budget, and I think average viewership times average movie cost was, like, double it. But if you take that number compared to $3 million instead of $30 million, like, that would mm. be an insane markup. But yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a weird question. As far as, like, final thoughts... This year has been incredible for indie uh, sci-fi flicks. Um, I'll throw the whatever Cloverfield we watched. Uh, that had plenty of problems, but was entertaining at most parts. Um, I will say Annihilation was great and super, mm-hmm. super under-publicized. Mm-hmm. And I'll throw this uh, in the same, the same realm that, like, this movie came out, asked a lot of very hard questions, and had uh, still had the like room for the beat 'em up aspect of it. Uh, I would definitely go watch it. Uh, as for movies, uh, I think it was a super budget Blade Runner twenty forty nine. It had a lot of this. We didn't talk about this earlier, but the color palette they chose for it and the lighting direction they chose mm. for it, where they used um, they used background shadow versus front light. You know, where, like, the lead would be in full glow and the background would be in full shadow. They also used a lot of, like, soft reds and soft blues in the back, which was very strikingly similar to Blade Runner. Um, It really... And and that's not a dig on Upgrade, that it was just totally, like, a budget version of what Blade Runner was asking. Yeah. It was really cool that, like, his wife's car was, like, a muted, like, black and gold and his... um Muscle car was a cherry red tomato uh, Camaro. Even the, the like the sound design on it was kind of cool. Where like uh, they had to make stem feel like it was inside your head, which for a surround sound system is very hard to do. Uh, they didn't quite get it. Like stem didn't feel quite inside my head, but it was very localized. You know, very very in the center of the sound uh, field. And, uh, like, right kind of there. It, it felt more in front of me than inside of me. Um, but I just, I don't think you can do that with surround sound. That's my signature move. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and so I would say definitely go check this movie out. Um, besides the movies that, you know, uh, Mocha and Blewett, like, mentioned, um, I would definitely take a look into Ex Machina. I think that movie also is better than this movie but it also asks a lot of difficult difficult questions that we just didn't quite think of and at least kind of showing them in a different realm um so i thought that was kind of pretty cool the one thing is that the i could not find the soundtrack to this movie or the score but there were some very very interesting tracks they use that i'm bummed that i couldn't find it i was looking on just about everywhere so maybe it's more popular maybe they put it out right now um, but I thought that was kind of pretty cool for it. I liked the question that they asked. Besides the actual performances, I was I was digging the actual environment. I'd love to be back into this world again in a different story, but I don't want to because somehow you're going to mess it up. So just leave it the way that it is, uh, and then we'll be good. And with that, we are the Down in Front Podcast. We have given you a full and amazing review of Upgrade. Brylin, where can we find more of your work? 
Uh, yeah, you can find me literally and figuratively inviting you to the gun show on Twitter at Bryland, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. Loading up that arm gun. To to take (laughs) us to the gun show. Mocha, where can we find more of your Um, Oh, my bad. I thought you were done. (laughs) (laughs) You also find uh, many movie reviews on Instagram at I am Bryland. And very, very, very soon, the games cast is coming back. And we're going to be playing a cool game called Beyond Two Souls and see where that leads us. Twitch.tv slash Down in Front Podcast. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Mocha, where can we find more of your work? You can find me on Twitter playing with my cloud at twitter.com slash at li as the Lord intended. Unfortunately, you cannot find me at Mocha Mike because the person who owns that account is being controlled by a rogue AI that is being uh, really bitter towards me and not letting me have access to it. So for the time being, at Mocha Mike LI, you can also find me on Instagram at Mocha Mike, where I uh, post a lot of my photography work, and on Medium at Mocha Mike, where I write some longer form reviews of the movies we talk about here. Nice. I'm, uh, I'm excited to check that out. Uh, Shredder, what do you got coming for us? Uh, you have an EP coming, or you have a show? What you got? Yeah, it's uh, seven months in the making now. Uh, we got a couple shows, I think, coming up at the beginning of July, maybe end of June. I got to get on top of that. I should be there for most of them. Um, as far as where you can reach out, my news music, my news band, come come say hi. We like that. Um, also, you can look at us on the internet at. I had one and it's gone. <laughs> uh, you can find them at penisland.com. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse Rand's Pen Island. No, no. Uh, <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, it was right there. <laughs> Jesse Rand touches things with his hands. That's not great. Uh, well, subpar at best. <laughs> oh my god, it was stem based too. Oh no, no, no! It's Jesse Rand looks you in the eye, <laughs> like Eron can. <laughs> No, Jesse Rand makes eye contact. <laughs> Jesse Jesse's, Jesse's gooey cloud. <laughs> uh, no, that's his gooey underwear. Oh, oh man, this took a turn. <laughs> you can find more work on uh, social media. So we're at uh, Twitter at uh, at underscore DAFP. That's for our Down and Front Podcast. Twitter, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Down and Front Podcast. Definitely check out the website, web we have videos and more and more content that we're pushing out and we actually have our beautiful faces on there so if you would like that check out our um, profiles we have on there on our down podcast.com we're on uh, youtube so check our information out for right there if you actually have questions about our next review we do have an email set up so it's at the crew at down podcast.com and if you want to help us out we would love it we will enjoy it we will give you free episodes we will give you early episodes because everything's free <laughs> uh we'll give you uh even like all the like more and more content that we've been working on definitely help us out you know one dollar goes a long way it'd be awesome and you can actually join our patreon channels where we can chat about new movies and especially this time around there's so much good stuff good content good media coming out in the next couple of weeks Definitely check us out on Patreon. Become a patron. Patreon.com slash Jonathan Podcast. We want to say thank you so much. Um, thanks, everybody, for joining. Uh, we will be back very, very shortly uh, for our next review, which we're not entirely sure what's going to be. But we're excited to talk about it.
Flying oh. by the seats of our pants here. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Could be Mr. Rogers. Who knows? I do, I do like flying by the pants of my seat. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. 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 Do 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 do